1 John chapter number 2 and verse 29. We are looking at this idea of being a child of God this morning. 1 John chapter 2 and 29, I believe, should go with chapter 3. But they didn't ask me. I wasn't around, and so they couldn't. They weren't asking me when they were uh, delineating uh, verses and, and chapters. But uh, just about everybody else that I've read says the same thing, so I feel better about that. Uh, that uh, chapter 2 and verse 29 is quite kind of a link. Every time I see a chapter that has an extra verse that I think should kind of go to the next one, I feel like it's more of a chain that, that connects the two passages together because one of the benefits that we have as we study through an entire book of the Bible is that we don't separate ideas. We continue a contextual theme all the way through the book. And so verses like verse 29 help us to continue a thought because when John was writing this letter to the churches in Ephesus, he didn't write, okay, chapter 1, V1. And then he started writing V2. You know, he didn't do that. He just wrote it. And I wonder even sometimes as I study my, my messages, I wonder how they would have taught in the Bible times. And in, in the, 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 the first church that preached from the book of 1 John, if you know what I'm saying, where they really looked at the, did they do the whole book? Did they read the whole thing? Where did he figure out where to stop? And, 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 and I, I think that would be interesting to learn. But uh, we, we see here uh, this, this bit of a link here to these two passages. As I said, we want to stay contextually with the theme of what we're studying, but at the same time, it's not imperative that we were here last week to understand what we're talking about this week. So don't feel uh, that, you, that you may miss something. We were talking for the last several weeks. Basically, 1 John is about having a relationship with Jesus, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, be, it's walking in the light so that I can be where he is because he is the light. And it's obeying his commandments because if I don't walk in the light, I'm not obeying his commandments. And that's where God is. And so I can't have any kind of relationship with him. And so that that's kind of where we left off. Now, last week when we were when we were in the end of chapter number two, when we looked at this idea of, of just Jesus. It's all we need. And the week before about these people, these false prophets, these antichrists would come in and and, and try to, 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 to steer us away from that, to draw us away from he whom uh, is, is, is the sum total of what we need, and that's Jesus Christ. And in a way, I feel that John is writing the, the, his letter here in defense of Christ. Not that Jesus, not that God has to defend himself, but to God's people, John is reminding them, folks, we don't need anything else. We don't need any new fads. We don't need to look for the latest trends in worship. We need Jesus. And if we have Jesus, we have all we need. And he's so deep. The problem is the people that feel that they've got enough Jesus and they need something else have only covered the surface. Maybe not even that much, but it's so much deeper. It's like flying across the ocean. It's a big ocean and all we see is the top. There's so much more below it. And there's so much more uh, that, that we can't see if we would only dive in and we would explore so much more than we can see just casually flying over the top. And that's how Christ is. On this morning, we're going to uh, refer, um, I'm gonna make a few statements about understanding who God is. And by no means do I, do, I, do I imply that you can actually understand and put God in a box and, and, and fully encapsulate him in your understanding and, and your thinking. But what I, what I want to try to just get across to us this morning is just understanding a little bit about who God is. As much as a human being can understand who is God, uh, I think that will help us a long way in understanding where we're going today. Those, uh, there are people who have made statements such as the one that I put in your, in your notes there. 
that uh, we want to address if we were to put a kind of a, a beginning question, introductory question in, and that's this. Are we all God's children? How many of you, raise your hand, you've ever heard somebody say something to that effect, we're all God's children? Would you raise your hand? See, Okay, it's, it's a very popular statement because it sounds good. Uh, and, and, and it's, and it's uh, if you don't know much about uh, Scripture and you don't know much about Christianity, then that's a weird statement. But as you get just a, enough of a dose to be dangerous, and we, we hear statements like that, well, we're all God's children, uh, and it sounds good, and, and I want to believe that, because then I want to know, that makes me feel good about me, and it makes me feel good about all of you. And if we're all God's children, then certainly he's a father, and he's not going to send any one of us to hell. But John basically answers that question, not that I think that that, that phrase was, was going on during this time, but for our day and time, it does, he does answer a question, uh, th th he does answer the question, who are the children of God? And he's going to describe them in three ways. We've already read through the passage, and so we'll just begin at the beginning of, uh, of our passage and, and go through it. And we're looking at three descriptions, if you will, of who God's children really are. So we'll just jump right in. He says at the very first verse of our passage, verse 29, God's children are, the, uh, who are God's children? And he describes them by saying where God's children come from. He says, if ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. I read this verse and I hesitated last week to present it with last week's sermon because I wanted to make sure I really got what was, what was being said there. Because if you just separate that verse and isolate it, it sounds a little bit like if I do righteousness, then I can be born of God. And it sounds like I need to do some good things and do righteousness to get into this family that God has that sounds all of a sudden not so exclusive anymore. And so I really wanted to, uh, to, to, to wait and to make sure that we really grasped it. And then as I went into chapter three, it just it fits so beautifully into there. One of the things that we need to make sure that we understand, and if you're taking notes as we go through it, you might want to jot some type of a note down here, is to understand that what this righteousness is talking about. If you know, he says, if you know the righteousness of God and what it is and what it actually means, what the righteousness of God actually means, then you can be absolutely sure that those who do that kind of righteousness are born of God, okay? So the question then is, what righteousness are we talking about? There are two types of righteousness mentioned in the scriptures. Uh, I, I was going to put them on the screen, and, and I just decided against that. So if you want, if you can turn very quickly, then we'll get to those places. Uh, but they are in your notes. You can take a look at them uh, later and if you like. But we're going to be in the book of Romans. So if you want to keep your finger in, in 1 John chapter 3 and uh, go over to the book of Romans in chapter 3 as well. Romans is an incredible book and is written uh, by Paul uh, to, uh, obviously, the Romans. And he is very technical about salvation in the book of Romans. It's a great book. If you, if you, if you uh, are not paying attention, you'll, you'll read 25 verses and not understand. And you'll kind of realize you, you don't know what you've been reading. But if you really pay attention to what he's saying, uh, it, it, it's just an incredible, it's an incredible passage. What we're going to do, we're going to look at a couple of, of, uh, of verses that tell us the difference between these two different types of righteousness. There's God's righteousness and there's man's righteousness. Or we could say there is righteousness which is by faith and righteousness which is by works or by law. Look in chapter 3 and verse 21, please. 
Romans chapter 3 and verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God, so we're talking about God's righteousness, without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all that believe, for there is no difference. And we Obviously, if you've ever had uh, someone go through the Romans road with you, you recognize verse 23, for all have sinned. But what, what, what the Bible's saying there is that the righteousness of God, God's righteousness was revealed to us outside of the law, meaning we don't need to look in the law to see God's righteousness. Verse 22 tells us where it is revealed by faith in Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. Look in chapter 9, if you will. We're staying in Romans just for a few more minutes. Chapter 9 and verse number 30. Chapter 9 and verse 30, and again, we're going to read right through the passage into chapter 10. Chapter 9 and verse 30, Paul is talking about the Jews, and he is, uh, in, in the context here, is he, is he is talking about how the Jews missed it. They missed the mark, and, and, and how previously God had rejected them so that he could graft in the Gentiles. If you read 9, 10, and 11, you would see that. Uh, we don't have to have time for that this morning. So we'll just pick up in verse number 30. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, that's us, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. So that's God's righteousness, right? We looked at that in chapter 3. But in verse 31, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, why? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. So here he's describing the Jews and the Gentiles, and he says the Gentiles... They weren't even looking for righteousness, in the, and, and, and they found it. And he says they found it because they found it by faith. But he says here the Jews, they've spent their whole life and generations and generations of uh, searching after righteousness, God's righteousness, and they never found it because they, they were searching for it through works. So the righteousness that they did find was man's righteousness. It was the, the good things that I do and feel good about myself uh, because I do them. I helped a, uh, an old lady across the street. I, I, I went and, and uh, uh, washed my neighbor's car. I, I gave money to emissions. I, I, I did something nice for somebody else, and I feel really good. I came to church this morning. I read my Bible. I gave an offering in the plate. I, I, I did something good. And even something that we as, as believers would say, that's a good thing, that's what a Christian should do, in a way that's still man's righteousness. And we have to make sure that we differentiate. We're, we're getting all this groundwork in, so when we go back to 1 John, we know exactly the righteousness that he's talking about. He says, in, let's pick it up in chapter 10 and verse number 1, continuing to talk about Israel. He says in verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So get the picture still. He's talking about Israel who had been searching for righteousness, but in the wrong places. Have you ever heard a phrase, all roads lead to God, where we all get to God in our own way? Paul says the exact opposite here. He said, here's a group of people that were trying to get to God, and they went the wrong way. They went by works, and they won't get there. And so he says, but I'm still praying. I would, I would, I would to God that they'd be saved. My heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. And he says, because this is why, because they, they have a, a, a zeal of God. They have a passion. They have a fire for God, but it says, but not according to knowledge. It's an ignorant passion, if you will. Verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. 
So they really want to have God, and they want to have God's righteousness, but they don't know what it is. They've, they're ignorant of it, and, and unbeknownst to them, they've gone the wrong direction, and they found righteousness, but it's not God's righteousness. It's man's righteousness, all right? So follow me. And he says at the very end there, verse number 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes it. That's, what the, that's where the Jewish nation as a whole is hung up right there on, is Jesus the Messiah or not? They believe in the God of the Old Testament, as do we. We believe that the God of the Old Testament revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. And that's where we part ways as far as uh, doctrinal beliefs, uh, Christianity and Judaism. I wanted to take you to some more of Paul's writings here. If you'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and for sake of time, I get there, I'm just going to read them so that uh, we don't... uh, run out of time at the end. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, Paul says this, For he hath made, he's talking about God, For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Paul says here that uh, Jesus became sin for us so that we might become righteous in him. Because we didn't read the verse, but in ver- Romans 3, we were in that chapter, in verse number 10, he says that there is none righteous, Uh, Because of sin, you started out unrighteous. Because of Adam, every man come from Adam and woman, every person that's ever walked on this earth is an unrighteous person because of sin in our bodies. And God says that's why Jesus came, so that uh, he might be made sin for us, so that we could be made the righteousness of God. I can be righteous, and I can be God's kind of righteous, and it's only through Jesus Christ. Uh, Titus chapter number 3 and verse 5 reminds us that we are not saved by our righteousness. We are saved by his mercy. Uh, He says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy has he saved us. So it's it's not by my righteousness. My righteousness, let let me take you to this last place, Philippians. This is what Paul says. This is what you can do with your righteousness. Paul says if there's anybody that's going to uh, take a tally of man's righteousness, if anybody's going to keep score, if you will, of man's righteousness, I am going to win. He says in first, uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 6, he says, can, uh, he, back up a little bit, though, in verse 4, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if, another, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And then he begins to list off his pedigree, if you will, uh, because he grew up as a Jew. He grew up uh, in one of the best schools of the law. He would have memorized large portions of the law. He would know it backwards and forwards. He would be the tip-top cream of the crop of his people in that day and age. And he lists off his, his pedigree. What I wanted to get you to, uh, to see here is verse number uh, uh, verse number six concerning zeal now talking about his zeal remember the jews they had zeal but not according to knowledge he said concerning zeal persecuting the church touching righteousness which is in the law blameless he says my righteousness according to the law was blameless i mean if you were to compare my lifestyle to what the law says i'm squeaky clean but notice what he says verse seven but what things were gained to me those i counted loss for christ Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things uh, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And notice what he says, and be found in him. This is this is why he counts all things but loss 
so that he may win or gain Christ, verse number 8, and verse number 9, so that he also might be found in him. And notice, not having mine own righteousness, which of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul says, I've got righteousness by the bucketfuls, and I lived my entire adult life as a righteous man according to the law, according to man's wisdom. But he said, when I found Christ, when I realized the truth, it opened my eyes, and I counted it all but loss, and I threw it all away, and I threw it all down, and I said, it's loss, it's nothing, it's just dead weight to me. And he says, now I want to win Christ, so that one day I will be found in him, not with my own righteousness, but with the righteousness which comes from God by Jesus Christ through faith in him. That's the type of righteousness we want to look after. Now, with all of that in mind, that's a lot of groundwork, but let's go back to 1 John and understand what we're, what we're talking about here. Where do God's children come from? Well, they come from God. That's, that's pretty obvious. But let's understand with the light of what we looked at, what, Paul is ta- what John is talking about. Verse 1 to 29. If you know that he is righteous, he, God, is righteous. If you know what God's righteousness is, and now we have a crash course in what God's righteousness is, so if we understand that type of righteousness then we know that everyone that does that type of righteousness is born of him. So I'm not, talk, I'm not saying here that everyone who does good things is born of God. Everyone who comes to church this morning is born of God. No. Everyone who reads the Bible, drops a 20 in the plate every once in a while, who helps people across the street, who uh, gives to charities and, and, and goes on mission trips, those are righteous things. And so everyone who does those things are now born of God. That's exactly not what, Paul, what John is saying. He's saying that if you understand, that those, those two words know there uh, are actually two different words in the Greek. The first word know there means to become aware of. He says if you are aware or you understand about God's righteousness, and then the second word know it means to be absolutely sure. He says so if you are aware of God's righteousness, you know what that means, then you are absolutely sure that those who do God's righteousness are born of him. It makes a lot of sense as we continue through that. So if, the, if you're still a little bit confused, that's okay, because we're going we're gonna to get, get through that, and I, I think it'll make a lot of sense as we go through. Doing righteousness, in other words, doing righteousness is not a cause of salvation. I don't do it to become a Christian. I don't do it to become part of God's family. Rather, doing righteousness is a consequence of, doing, of, of being in Christ. Uh, I had a minor breakdown on, on, my, on my vehicle. Uh, breakdown as in uh, one of my children. I won't tell you one, uh, which one because I don't want to embarrass Lincoln. But he grabbed the, he grabbed the, uh, the we have a rear windshield wiper. And uh, he grabbed it. Jeff already knows about my windshield wiper. I've, I've had some problems with that already. And, it, and, and he pulled on it. He wanted to make it go. And, and uh, it doesn't, it's not supposed to do that. Well, I'm driving down the road and I see it. I'm like, oh, wait, good. I look in the rearview mirror and I see it, and uh, I was like, "Man, this is going to cost this is going to cost a lot of money." I said, "You know, what, just in case, let me let me take a look at it." Okay, I'm not I'm not a mechanic, but I I did. It was uh, last uh, Monday or Tuesday. I did a mechanic thing. Okay, I fixed the car. I fixed the car. I, I tightened the bolt. That's all that was brought was wrong with it. Uh, but uh, I I I did a mechanic's deed, but I'm not a mechanic. If you know me by any means, I'm not a mechanic. I took a couple of two-by-fours and nailed them up in the garage this week. That doesn't make me a carpenter. 
Heaven may be, oh, yeah, I'm qualified to build your house now because I know how to build a shelf in the garage that doesn't need to look good or it's not even level probably. That doesn't, because I did a carpenter's deed doesn't mean I'm a carpenter. But if you're a mechanic in here or you're a carpenter in here, you also do the same things that I did. Probably a whole lot better and a whole lot. But it's, we don't do those things and that makes us those. We are those things. And because we are that identity, we do those types of things. Does that make sense? So as a Christian, it doesn't matter if I do those things to become a Christian because I'll never do enough of those things because you can't do things to become a Christian. It says because you are a Christian, you'll do those things. They're a consequence of being a Christian. The questions that each of, each of us must ask then and ask ourselves, which righteousness do I have? We're all sitting here in church right now. I think we all try to be very good people. But here's, here's where I'm concerned with the state of, of, of our generation. We all are concerned with righteousness for the most part. We try to be good people. But there's a lot of people that have the wrong kind of righteousness. And they're depending on the wrong kind of righteousness. And John says in his book, you got to make sure you have the right righteousness. So ask yourself the question, which righteousness do I have? Who's, whose righteousness am I depending on? Is it, is, it, is it the righteousness of all the good things that I've been doing? And, and I look back at my life and say, yeah, I've been pretty good. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't done anything wrong. I mean, really bad. I didn't burn the school down. But I got suspended a few times. But I mean, I mean, you know. Or, well, you know, I, I, I've never cheated on my wife. Or I've never, uh, you know, I've, I've never been in jail. Or I've never done drugs. Or whatever. We, 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 we like to equate our righteousness with the things that we've never done. It's interesting, and it's not even my notes. But we think about what Jesus did. Jesus didn't equate righteousness with what he didn't do. He equated it with what he did. A little bit different that way. Oh, okay, well, how much money do I have to give to get righteousness? None. How much community service do I have to do to get righteousness? None. Whose righteousness are we talking about here? If we're talking about man's, you'll never attain it. You'll never be good enough. There's always someone who does more. But if we're talking about God's righteousness, it's free. It comes by faith in Jesus Christ. This verse, look at this verse. We were saying about the love of God just a little bit this morning. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. That phrase there, behold what manner of love, it's a very interesting uh, phrase there. It's the Greek word potapos. It's only used seven times in the Bible. The other six times there, I've just, I've put them, I don't know if I put them in your notes there, but I'm just going to say them to you. We're not going to turn there. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 27, when Jesus calms the, the sea, and the disciples said, what manner of man is this? That's, they used that word potapos. And it was like, whoa, awesome. This is amazing. I can't believe, can you believe what we just saw? The next time we saw it was in Mark chapter 13 when the disciples uh, were, were walking with Jesus into Jerusalem and they were beholding the temple and the walls of Jerusalem and they're going, whoa, these things are awesome. They were sightseers. And they were going, look at these walls and look at the temple. It's magnificent. Wow, potapos. 
The next time we saw it was in Luke chapter 1 when, the, when Mary was visited by the angel and, it was, and, and, and she was trying to consider the news and, and the what manner. And, and it, was, it was kind of a, uh, you ever get that news on the phone and they say, are you sitting down? You might want to sit down for this. I can imagine the angel saying, Mary, sit down. I'm about to tell you something that's going to change your life forever. You're going to have a baby. It's going to be God. Sit down, Mary. You're going to faint. You're going to fall. You're going to hurt yourself. Potapos. We see it twice more in, in 2 Peter 3 and Luke 7, when, uh, as in, uh, the, the, it's used in the reference of, you should stop and take a look at this. Stop and consider this. And so when we read it, we read it, we read it those other times, it helps us to understand what John's trying to say here in chapter 3 and verse 1. He's like, behold, potapos, what manner of love is this? Stop. Look. Be in awe of the love that God has given to us. Again, I'm still... Who are God, where do God's children come from? Behold the manner of love. It's an amazing. Stop and think about this. Can you believe that God would call us his sons? If I understand God's righteousness, and I understand who I am, and my lack of righteousness, and I understand all of these problems that I have when I come to Christ, and yet he still loved me. He loved me when I didn't love him. He loved me when I was not aware of him. Frederick Lehman, back in 1917, uh, I, won't, I won't pick on anybody, but uh, back in 1917, Frederick Lehman wrote the words to the song we sing today, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It's bigger than we can imagine. It's bigger than we can understand. But he wrote the second verse and he said, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made, though stretch... Uh, uh, where every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky Potapos. this is amazing the love that God has if I were to take a pen and write it across the sky I would run out of ink and run out of sky that's the love that God has for us and that's why John says at the end of the verse there he says this is why the world doesn't understand us because they don't understand the Father. They don't understand why we come and why we've given our life to a, to a, a God that we've never seen. To, a, to, a, to, to this God as opposed to their other gods. And they don't understand that. And it says the world doesn't know us because it doesn't know Him. So who are the children of God? Well, the answer, where do they come from? Who are they? They are unworthy and undeserving people. Souls whom have come through faith in Jesus and have become the righteousness of God. They're not the ones who deserve it. They're not the ones who are worthy of being a child of God. They're not the ones who have carefully followed all the rules and achieved this so-called right to become a child of God. If you understand who God really is, not just what you think He is or what makes sense to you, and if you understand what God's righteousness is, then you can be exactly sure God's children are those who've come by faith through Him, through Jesus, and have become righteous through God's way. The second way John describes this is in, is in verse number 2 and verse number 3. Who do God's children look like? He says in verse number 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as he, God, is pure. We are right now 
the sons of God, those who have come by faith into the righteousness of God. And we don't know what he says. is We don't know exactly what we're going to be one day when we get to heaven. I don't know what I'm going to be like, but I do know that I'm going to be like him. And I don't know exactly what that means because I've never actually seen him, but I know that I'm going to be like him. And he says, why? Because I'm going to see him as he is. Help you understand that. I know that my son is my child. I know one day he's going to be more like me, but I don't really know what he's going to look like. I don't know how he's going to act, but I do know because he is my son, he's growing more and more like me. He does things. Have you ever realized that? You remember that first time you realized you spoke your father's words or you said something that your mother said and you promised yourself you would never say that? For me, it was because I said so. The first time I said that, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> now I understand. Uh, because I'm, I am my father's son, and he is his father's son. And so as he grows, he is becoming more and more like his father. And one day he's going to be, not exactly like his father, you can only hope, but he's, he's going he's to be like his father. And, and, and in the future, we don't know what it's going to be exactly, but we know we have a good idea. The future looks bright for you, son. In heaven, I know I'm going to be like my father. I know that I'm going to see him as he is, and because I am his child, I'm going to be like him, but I don't know exactly what that means. And, Paul, and John says here, uh, this, is, this is what we're going to look like. Right now, we're his sons. One day, we're going to look exactly like our father. But notice what he says about that in verse number four, or in verse number three. What do I do about that right now? Every man that hath that hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. So here's the present. Here's the now. I'm a child of God right now by faith in Jesus Christ. And one day I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to be just like him. I'm going to look like my father. I'm going to behave like my father. And I'm going to be in a brand new body. I'm going to be perfect just like my father is. But yet, right now, I'm not there yet. But you know what? Because I know that I'm going to be like dad one day. You know what I start doing? Start getting myself ready for it now. You ever play dress up with your dad's shoes or your mom's high heels or dad's hat or something you want to be like dad you want to act like dad you want to do what dad did i remember i'd sit on the couch and my dad would sit on the couch and i was little and he crossed his legs i crossed my leg he put his hand back i put my hand back i want to do and i begin to pick up the phraseology that he would use I would begin to uh, like the things that he liked because I wanted to be like him now. And I'm not exactly like him. And my heavenly father, I want to be like him so much. Right now, later, I know I'm going to be like him very much so one day. But I don't, I don't want to wait till then. And so I'm going to start now and I'm going to purify myself. I'm going to remove the things from my life that I see that my father doesn't have in his life. And I'm going to add the things to my life that I see my father has in his life. And I'm going to try to become as much as I can now like he is and like I'm going to be later and that's what it says there. Every man that has the hope of seeing him and of being like him is going to purify himself even as his father is pure. What do God's children look like? Well, they, they, they have a purifying hope. The opposite of that is what we find in verse number, next verse, verse number four. And it goes on into what God's children do. Verse number four says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. It's the other side of that coin. Those who have the hope purify themselves. They're, they're cleaning themselves up. They're trying to become as holy as they can, and, 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 and not in order to earn it, not in order to deserve it, but because they just want to be like their dad. But those who commit sin transgress the law, 
Sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested, God, Jesus Christ was manifested or appeared. Why? To take away our sin. So think about it. If I'm committing sin, practicing sin, it's not you, you told a lie. It's talking about practicing sin and, and not caring, just living in it, wallowing in it, abiding in it would be the, the word that we're supposed to with Christ. But we, this, this other person would abide in his sin. And, God's, and, and John says, we know that Jesus came to take away that sin from us. Notice what he says. I have to read the whole passage really to get what he's saying there. But he says that um, uh, he was manifested, verse 5, to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him, in Jesus, sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth not, oh, I'm sorry, whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, Jesus, neither known him. Why? Because Jesus came and he took away my sin. So if I'm living it and if I'm committing it and practicing it, I'm not becoming like him. It's probably because he's not my dad. If I'm just doing this and I don't, I don't care and I'm just doing what I want to do and committing sin and practicing sin, it's not because, well, I'm just waiting until one day, God, I'm just going to let God do all the work then. It's because I don't have that familial bond, and so why do I want to be like, he's not my dad. Jesus came, and he came to, and he, God came to me and to earth to take away that sin from me so that I can, walk, so that I can do become more and more like Christ because sin is, holds me back from that, and Jesus came and says, I'm free from that. Notice what he said there. He took away my sin. In verse number 8 there, he says that he destroyed it. Uh, verse number 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Talking about the sin. That's what Jesus did for me. He came and he destroyed those things. So those who are not God's children bear no resemblance to him. They don't purify themselves or become like him. Rather, they continue to practice sin and lawlessness. But a true child of God is concerned with becoming more like God rather than staying in the same practice of sin from before salvation. We see in verse number five, there is no sin in Christ. So that those who abide in Christ will not practice sin because he took it away he did, and, and he destroyed sin. And in fact, verse number 9, let's read verse number 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. Because of Christ, and as I dwell in Christ, says that I can't sin. And does it mean that I am physically incapable of telling a lie? No. I can do that. But it's talking about practicing sin, living in it, abiding in it. If I'm truly a child of God, I can't do that for long. Because why? Because his seed is in me, because I'm like him. And, and he removed me from that. And, I, and there's a struggle. There's, I don't belong here. I don't fit here because it doesn't work. I've got I've to get back to what I'm supposed to be doing in my family. And that's what he's saying there. God's seed is in me and is what prevents me from abiding in sin and allows me to abide in Christ. And John plainly draws the line here between the children of God and the children of the devil. Those who do righteousness like God are the children of God, verse number 7. Those who practice sin are of the devil who also sinned from the beginning, verse number 8. And they are those who do not do righteousness like God because they are not of God. In other words, they don't behave like God because God's not their father. We can't expect them. That's why I don't get upset when people out in the world act like people out in the world. You know, it, I don't expect people outside who don't claim the name of Christ to act like a Christian. 
because they're not Christians. Just like I don't expect my dog to sit at the table and use a knife and a fork when he eats dinner. Because he's not a person. I expect him to eat like a dog. I expect him to act like a dog. I expect my children to act like people. Because that's who they are. Not, okay, I'm going to teach my dog to use a fork and a knife and cut up his kibble so that he can become a person. That's not how it works. It's a cool trick. But it didn't change who the dog was. I can teach my children to eat out of a little bowl on the ground with no hands. I'm going to make them a dog. So there's, there's, there's a reason that we do it, and it's because we are something, not in order to become something. And so that's what John is saying here. We look at what, God, at what the children do, and that will help us to determine who their father is. Whose child are you? Are you a child of God and of righteousness, or are you a child of the devil? What do God's children do then? They do righteousness like their dad does. No, they aren't perfect like their father. Yes, they mess up sometimes. Yes, sometimes their actions are completely contrary to God and his word. It happens. We've all seen someone who claims to be a Christian, and we have no reason to doubt that all of a sudden do something. We say, that is totally the least Christian thing you could do. We've all met someone who does not claim to be a Christian and acts nicer and is more helpful and maybe more righteous than practicing Christians. It's the wrong type of righteousness. Yes, there's, there's sometimes their actions are completely contrary to God and His Word, but there is a resemblance to the Father, and it is growing. Because of that resemblance, a certain behavior emerges and begins to dominate the character. If I truly am a child of God, I'm not going to look exactly like Him one day, just like my son doesn't look exactly like me right now. And he didn't look like me a long, uh, eight, eight, nine years ago when he was born. But he looks more like me now than he did when he was born. And he'll continue to pick up my patterns and my habits and my, even the way I look because as he grows, because he's a part of my family, because he abides with me, lives with me. So, all the way back to our beginning question. No, not everyone is a child of God. In fact, there are many who believe that they are one, but really are not. These are like the Jews Paul wrote of who had an ignorant zeal of God but had no knowledge of him. As I said earlier, doing righteousness is a consequence of salvation, not a cause of it. So we must ask to ourselves, whose righteousness do I have? God's or my own? Which am I depending on? You're saved this morning. You're sitting here. And I thought about you this morning. I pray for you this week. I said, you know, there's, there's a lot of people sitting here this morning. I truly believe they're a child of God. And, and this is to them a, a, just a, a just an encouragement. It's not... A, I need to check my salvation. This is not, I'm not trying to do that at all to anybody. But for the Christian this morning, it's a reminder, it's an encouragement of, to dwell on the love of God, to, 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 to pot a pot, to sit back and go, wow, this is amazing. In just a few moments, I want to sing that song together, the love of God, as we, as we leave. I want to dwell on that love, the love of God. We sing, behold our God, stop and look and, and listen and, and watch Him because He loves us so much. But I know because of the time that we live in, there are people that sit and sometimes visit our church. They sit in our pews. They work with us. They even sometimes live in our homes. And they're not a child of God because somehow, some time before then, they started looking for righteousness and they went down the other path towards works, towards men's righteousness. And they tried to establish a righteousness with God 
do their own works. And God says, you'll never find it that way. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't know for sure that you're a child of God, because maybe you've been looking at it the wrong way, you've been looking at that other type of righteousness, honestly answer the question. If it's been about you and your righteousness and what you do, let me invite you to come. Come to Christ. Find in Him everything has been done. And find that it's never been about you. How much you do or how good you are, it's always been about Christ. Last week I ended the sermon with the phrase, really all we ever needed is Jesus. And it's still fitting today. You need righteousness? All you need.